Good morning, Every Nation family. Before we go to the word, um, just two quick things. One is on the announcement about pre-marriage course. In this church, we see marriage as three things. One is uh, you involve the parents, and different cultures do it differently, including paying lobola. Can I hear amen to that? Yeah. All right. I know some people are like, forget the lobola part. Let's just get married. But we recognize cultures that still practice lobola, right? The second stage is the signing of the register to be recognized by the president that you are married. The third stage is the blessing of God through the pastor. So when we have done those three, then you're married, okay? You pay lobola, you still need the blessing of God, and the signing of the register is for the formalities. But we just emphasize that you don't pay lobola and you move in. Can I hear amen to that? (laughs) You pay lobola and then you need the blessing of God. You don't need a white wedding. Just for correction, you don't need a white wedding. You just need the blessing of God, okay? But the other thing is on the screen here, 17th of Feb, straight after Valentine, we have What on Earth Am I Here For? And this sermon series is going to be a campaign. We realize that in our city, a lot of people have been plagued by the challenge of depression, being overworked. We realize people have faced a number of challenges, whatever the challenge may be. And what we want to do is to bring people back to who God has created them to be. So this campaign, what we're going to ask of you is invite your friends to church, number one, and you consistently come to church with them. Don't invite them and don't come to church. So invite them and come with them to church. Number two is you can start a group with people who are asking themselves the question, what am I here on earth for? So you get to actually go through a booklet with them to encourage them to stand with them as they figure out the purpose of their existence. So we want to invite you as we prepare for this um, amazing sermon series that's coming. And through prayer and fasting, we believe that God is going to touch our nation. Amen. So we... We'll be praying one more time this coming Thursday. That's our last our prayer meeting with the 21 days of prayer and fasting. If you haven't fasted yet, this is the last week you can join us. There is no condemnation to those who are in the Lord. You can still join us. Let's welcome Pastor Lereko. Awesome. Thank you, Pastor Sai. <clears throat> I had in mind something like, uh, you know how Imbongi does it, you know, that... You didn't get the, ma- the thing with my clan names. <laughs> That's not my clan names. <laughs> I, uh, I, was, I, was watching, I was watching some of the faces where you said, you know, you don't do lobola and then move in. Mm, there were some uncomfortable looking expressions. I just want to say... But it's okay, you're in the right place. No condemnation, I think, is what the senior pastor said. So it's awesome. We're um, we're, uh, in in our second week of our Great Faith uh, series. Pastor Sai started us off last week and uh, uh, looked at the context of uh, this this portion of Scripture uh, in in Hebrews, in in Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to camp out there for... Uh, most of today also, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, uh, Pastor Sai was drawing our attention to the fact that here is a message that's written to a group of people who are Christians, people who, uh, who have been converted, have uh, believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, and have been living out according to his precepts, 
and because of hardships, because of difficulties, have arrived at a place where the, the, the faith is starting to wane and, and the fa- their faith has become weaker. And some of them are starting to look around and wonder if they had made the right decision and, and should we be going back to our uh, practice, former practices and beliefs. And the writer of Hebrews makes this point. He, he draws them back to remember the faith of the heroes of old the patriarchs. He says, you guys have this amazing cloud of witnesses of people who have gone ahead of you. Let me remind you of people who had amazing faith, people like Abel who had incredible faith, people like, like, uh, like Noah who had great faith, and, and Moses who had great faith, people like Abraham who went before you with their great faith. What about David and, and Gideon and, and, and Samson and, and all the judges and all the prophets and, and all the people who went before you, who kept passing on the baton, who kept being faithful, who were willing to suffer atrocities so that the baton of the gospel could move forward up until we get to where you are today. So if your faith is weak, remember that there are people who endured even through difficult times to get you here. So therefore, look ahead because there's a task that you need to perform also. I believe that there is a message in there for you also. The, this, this, uh, the, the writer of Hebrews is talking to a particular group of people, but the, the message is relevant for you sitting here this morning. That if your faith feels under attack, if you feel like you are pressed in on every side, you feel like ever since I made the decision to follow Christ, things have just started falling apart. Ever felt that way? I was fine until I decided to get saved. I, I've had people, and I say this with much pain in my heart, I want to tell you the honest truth. I've had people pers- that I knew personally, that I, that I had tried to walk a journey with, who started to shrink back from the faith because things got difficult. And they would say things like this to me. I was fine. My life was normal. No ups, no downs. I decided to do this thing that you said, and my life has been turmoil. I wish the message to the Hebrews would have landed in their souls. That there is a great lineage that you get to be part of of people who endured much worse than you think is bad. Much worse than what you're currently going through. That's not to downplay your trauma or your, or your, or, 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 or your pain or your sickness or your depression or your retrenchment or your uh, uh, business failure or, 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 or lack or family uh, fa- relational breakdown or any of those things. That's not to downplay it, but that's just to tell you that there are people who endured what you're enduring and more, and were willing to endure it. Do you know what the book of Hebrews tells us? That some, some of these guys would suffer, be persecuted, and refused to be delivered. They didn't want the option of pressing the escape button. Do you understand that they chose to be thrown into the flames? They chose to be whipped. They chose to be beheaded and killed and thrown out. They chose to be spat at, disregarded. They chose it gladly and willingly. And the book of Hebrews tells us that it is so that they may gain a better inheritance and a better resurrection. Their vision was long. 
I want to speak to you if you're shrinking back this morning. If you think that the way to do Christianity is just to do the bare minimum so that you don't attract the enemy or his attention. I want to get to heaven, but I don't want to fight, you know. So I'll just like, if I just keep my head down. Those who suffer persecution for the sake of the gospel attain for themselves a better resurrection. Because there is a resurrection, by the way. It doesn't end here. So, we're, we're looking at, um, at Enoch today. And Enoch is a fascinating character for me in the Bible. Because we know so little about him. So much is written about all of the other great heroes of the faith, but we have small portions of Scripture that are dedicated to the life of Enoch, but what is said is significant. So I imagine, and I invite you to imagine with me, Enoch and his brothers and, and his, his friends and, 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 and nephews and, and cousins and everybody else, and, and, and I imagine them sitting around a fire it's late, it's been a hard, long day working out in the field. They've had the evening meal, and the elders start to engage them and start to tell them stories. Stories about how the world came to be. I imagine that Enoch's father, Jared, would have told him stories about how they had to navigate and make sense of serving God and, 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 and finding themselves in, under this, this, this curse that made it difficult to even till the land. And, 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 and this, the, the, this, this line of family that they, we, we, don't, we don't live with them, and, but you may know of them, uh, the, the line of Cain and, and how God sent him away and perhaps you've, you've heard of him and, and this is why and this is what he was like and, and he had a brother and his name was Abel and Abel went to God and, and God gave, uh, you know, he gave, gave God an awesome sacrifice and, 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 and of course this incredible anger and jealousy to arise inside of his, of his brother and, and, and so he killed him and, and I imagine Adam sitting around the same fire because he would have been he lived long enough to be around in the time of, of Enoch. Enoch was seventh from Adam. I imagine t un him un un unpacking the story of, of his first moments of consciousness and, and, and his relating with God in, in the garden and, and, and how he, he, he went under again at some point and then, and then he came back and, and, and something felt like he was missing in his, in his body and then he looked and there's this like hot check there and... All of these stories that would have inspired such, such vivid imagery and such great faith. But what we see is that not everybody rose up to that level of faith. So the stories would have been shared freely to everybody, but only a few caught and were inspired enough to want to live up according to that faith. Now, the book of Hebrews in chapter 11 from verse 1 says, Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. 
By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel bought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Amen. I want us to look at the life of Enoch, the relationship that Enoch had with God, and see what we may learn out of that about our faith and how to apply it in today's world. Broadly, there are three things um, that I want to specifically look at. In the story is the faith, the fame, and the fellowship of Enoch. The faith of Enoch The fame and the fellowship. Right at the beginning of the book of Hebrews, at the beginning of chapter 11 in the book of Hebrews, we see that the writer says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What that tells me is that faith has a substance. It has a makeup. When you think of yourself, you think of yourself as having a genetic makeup. You think, you, you think of matter being broken down to the atomic and molecular levels. When I look at this bottle, I see this bottle. I see the water in this bottle. But when I think of my faith, my faith is not like a bottle that I look at. My faith is something that I understand within the context of hope. Hope and faith are brothers. They cannot be understood as mutually exclusive. Hope provides the environment in which faith may be cultivated. And so the substance of it, the makeup of it, is hope. By the way, as a side note, That's why the enemy, that's why the devil is so focused on attacking your hope. Because if he can convince you, this is how he does it. If he can convince you that there is no way out, there is no solution, and introduce desperation into your life and into your thinking, your faith has no environment in which to be cultivated. It cannot grow. So he doesn't go after the big things. He goes after your hope. That was for free. (laughs) So, natural deeds done by faith become supernatural. Natural things, everyday things that we do, done by faith, become supernatural. Here's what I mean. By faith, Abel offered to God. By faith, Enoch 
was taken. By faith, Noah built an ark. By faith, Abraham obeyed and also dwelt in the land. By faith, Isaac blessed. These are all things that were done by incredible men of faith, people that we know and look up to today and appreciate and, 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 and receive a portion of their blessing. But I want you to notice that none of what these guys did was exceptional or extraordinary or outstanding. Everything that we read there, except maybe for verse 5 where Enoch was taken, was normal. There was another kind of taken, but that's not what we're focusing on today. Everything that we see them doing was normal. Things that you and I can do, things that were done in that day. The difference was that it was infused by faith. So Abel, sacrificing, anybody could have sacrificed. In fact, fast forward and you have, you have, you have massive uh, feasts of, of, um, of, of sacrificing. Noah built an ark, built a boat. I'm sure it was the best boat of the day, but, you know, you fast forward and we've got better boats. God was impressed by Noah's boat. We've got better boats. Why are we not honored like Noah? It's the faith. It's not the boat. Noah built the boat in response and by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed. Obedience is, is awesome. It's not exceptional in the sense that there are many people who obeyed. But by faith, he obeyed. By faith, he dwelt in the land. He stood still. I'm standing still right now. I haven't been translated into heaven like, no, like thing did. I'm not ready. Yeah, you see, the faith thing. By faith, Isaac blessed. Blessing, when he was blessing, he wasn't introducing a new concept that no one had ever heard of before. When you're speaking positive words and affirming and, 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 and directional and, and futuristic over his, over his children, he wasn't doing something that was unique. What made him stand apart was the faith. It was infused with faith. And so look at Enoch within the context of this company. He is in some famous company. Enoch, we don't know too much about. If I asked you where to even find his story, there'd be a lot of Google going on. But if I asked you to talk about Noah, you'd have stuff to tell me about. If I asked you to talk about Moses or David or Samson or Gideon or, 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 or Samuel or any of the greats, you'd, you'd have stuff to tell me. Now I say to you, tell me about Enoch. Very few. Very few words. Enoch finds himself in some famous company. Here's the point I want to make around this. The fame of Enoch wasn't fame, wasn't a, he wasn't famous before people. Enoch was famous to God. That's why he belongs in this list. That's why he was so greatly honored. Not because of his mighty exploits. It was because his audience was one. He was known, he was famous to God. 
we have today many things that we do on a daily basis that we don't consider to be great things. Whether it is the raising of godly children, whether it is the fact that I arrive on work, at work when I'm supposed to arrive and I do what I'm supposed to do and maybe even more, whether it's my obedience to the action of the Holy Spirit, whether it's the building of godly friendships and, and establishing uh, 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 relational platforms where you, you're able to transfer the gospel, whatever it is, whether it's just learning how to stay in relationship with one another, with friends and, and, and couples, etc., all of these things that we do on a daily basis that we don't necessarily consider great. This was the life of Enoch. The difference was the faith. We can do the things that we do every day, and we should, because you and I are like Enoch. And those things God honors. The point here that we're supposed to see is that, God, is that Enoch honored God not because of his mighty exploits. He honored him because of his daily exploits done by faith. Your daily exploits, the things that you're doing on a daily basis, the the ways in which you're called to lay your hand to the plow, the, the area in which you're going to be serving, living, uh, outworking this life tomorrow, those things that you're doing, you can infuse faith into those things. And God is pleased with that. It's good for us to change the world. That's awesome. And, and let's go out there. But it's also good to recognize that God is in your Monday and your Tuesday and your Wednesday if you're doing it by faith. So, Enoch pleased God, scriptures tell us. Pleased God because why? He sought after God. Hebrews uh, 11 verse 6 tells us that if, you, if, you, if you're going to come to God, you'd better believe. He sought him. He went, he went towards him. You believe God. So he believed him. What does he believe? That he is a rewarder. Firstly, that he is. That means who is he who he says he is. He will do what he says he will do. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So you saw the nature of God, that he's a rewarder. And he, he applied diligence. Seeking God wasn't a pastime. It wasn't something that he took lightly. It was a life purpose. In the book of Genesis, chapter 5, that's where the original story of Enoch is. It says, Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Enoch walked with God, God took him so that he didn't see death. Notice something. By the way, if you're reading scripture... As, you, as we've just done over here, and you notice a repetition, especially within such close proximity, I want you to, as a practice, just always kind of press pause and take note of that. Repetition is emphasis. That means this is something that's important, that's being drawn out. He lived six, uh, 65 years before he had a son. His name was Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God. After. That tells me that Enoch wasn't born a saint. That's important for you and I, because often we, 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 we excuse ourselves 
from the mighty exploits. We excuse ourselves from being part of this illustrious uh, cloud of, of witnesses because we're going, that's nice, but that's Enoch. It's, it's Moses. It's David. It's Abraham. Who am I? Well, Enoch spent the first bit of his life, 65 years of his life, in what seems to be obscurity. He wasn't passionately, purposely pursuing God. He was doing what everybody else was doing. His standard was what everybody else was doing. That's how he spent his life. And then, and, and then his son was born. Now, we don't know whether it's because of the fact that his son was born or whether the, 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 the being born was, was a marker of when the, 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 the conversion happened. But clearly something happened that caused him to walk in purpose, that caused him to make a decision to pursue. God then kept him in this world for the next 300 years in that daily pursuit. If you've been alive for, let's be generous, say 30 years. You've been alive for 30 years. You know very well that life hurts. You've got some wounds and some scars and some resentment and some disappointment and some things that if you entertain will put distance between you and God. You've got some tragic stories to tell. You've got some mysteries, things that you don't understand, can't understand why something's happened this way, why something's happened to you, and why something didn't happen to that person. You fight to laugh and to, and to jump up and down and to sing some of these songs. Some of you, sometimes when a song pops up, you have to fight to sing that song because you feel like that's not my reality. Enoch had 300 years of it, and yet he chose, he chose, he made the decision to turn towards God each time. That's intimacy. It's like life happens, and in, instead of allowing life to be the thing that puts distance between you and God, it becomes the thing that draws you closer to him. Regardless of how good it is, regardless of how painful it is, regardless of how tragic it is, regardless of how meaningless it is, regardless of, of anything, the decision being that life happening will draw me closer to God. And the more life happens to me, the closer I'm going to get to God. Yeah. To, to the extent that, 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 that his intimacy with God, his presence with God was more than his presence in the world. He walked with God, gaining relevance, gaining heavenly relevance to the extent that it made sense to God to make him a citizen of heaven. Because he was more relevant and more present to God than he was to anything else. That was the faith of Enoch. That's what it looked like when he was walking with God. Now, when, you, when we walk with God, when I walk with somebody, there's, there is an intentionality that I have to, to apply, right? If you walk with me, you have to be conscious of the way that I'm walking. You have to be conscious of the direction that I'm walking. If, if I'm walking that way, and you're walking that way, we're both walking. You're just not walking with me. 
And so if we're going to walk with God, be those people who walk with God, first thing we have to contemplate is how to lock step with him. Face the direction that he's facing. Slow down when he's slowing down. Pick up our pace when he's picking up his pace. Change direction when he's changing direction. Notice how what, what Enoch was doing wasn't following God. Which most of us are following God. Nothing wrong with following God. I'm a follower of God. I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And what that means is that where, where he has gone, I go. And what that means is that there's a navigated path and I'm doing my best in, within the context of this world to follow that path and to make sense of things. That wasn't Enoch's experience. Enoch's experience was carving the path alongside God. Real-time intimacy, real-time presence, real-time engagement. To the extent that where I start to live from is where God is. Enoch lived from where God is. And God took him. Because if you're going to spend all your time here, you might, might as well stamp your passport. <laughs> Let's stand together. Now, when we look at the life of, of Enoch, there's a few things that, um, that, 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 I, that I want to point out. One, we mentioned that Enoch didn't start out having figured out his life. He started out prioritizing what everybody else was prioritizing. His benchmark, his standard was what everybody else was doing. But something happened in the life of Enoch that caused a turnaround that caused him to no longer care what everybody else was doing, to no longer care what everybody else thought of him, to be so consumed, so fully consumed with what God is doing, what God is saying, how to obey him, how to lockstep with him, and if it means I leave the world behind, then so be it. That was the progress. And, and, and I know that we are at different stages of our faith and our life, even in this very room. So maybe it makes sense to you at the moment, that part where, where Enoch started. You know, so how he spent the first 20, 30, 40, 50 years of his life, 60, 65 Perhaps that makes sense to you because you know that you are in that place. That's how you operate. You fear man. You're scared of people. So you do what will please people. And your motivation is what will, what will get an applause from people. So if the choice was between honoring God and standing out in a crowd or, or shrinking back and being safe, perhaps you're at that place where you'd rather shrink back. But I want to extend an invitation to you specifically to walk contrary to that and to do and to have the transition that Enoch had where your, your mindset, your conviction is purely after God, after what God thinks, what will please God, where is he, what can I do to align with him, not what will people think.
And, and I want to I talk to you specifically if that's something that's been, that, that you've struggled with. And the invitation is this, that there's depth of intimacy and relationship that is waiting for you. And perhaps the first part of that, perhaps the first step is for you to just acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus Christ if you've never done so. To go, you know what, I've never actually acknowledged I choose to do so that Jesus actually is Lord. And I want to be saved. I want to be in relationship with him. Or perhaps that's a decision that you've, you, have, you made at some point, but man, there really isn't any evidence in your life to substantiate that. Your life and the life of somebody who's not a Christian, same thing. So here's what I want to do. If you're ready to be brave, can I ask you to put your hand up? If you're ready to declare that you don't care what anybody else is doing, that's not your concern. You're here to do business with God. I see that hand. You're here to do business with God. I see those hands. Keep them up. Keep them up. You're here to do business with God. You don't care what anybody else is saying, what anybody else thinks, how anybody else feels. You simply don't care. What matters to you right now, what matters to you right now is what God is saying. And do you know what he's saying to you right now? Do you know what he's saying to you? Do you know what he's saying to you right now? He's saying, that's mine. That one. The one who's acknowledging me. That daughter of mine who's got her hand up acknowledging me. I am acknowledging her that she is mine. Because she has chosen that it is not the world. It is not people around her that are going to affirm her. It is the word of God. I only want to talk to those people. If you're done playing games. If you've got your hand up, why don't you take your belongings and come meet me here at the front. I want to pray for you, but we also want to celebrate with you as a family. If you didn't put your hand up, but you know that you need to be here, why don't you run here? Why don't you come here now? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's somebody over here who knows that they need to be here. There's a man over here who knows that they need to be here. We're waiting for you. We're waiting for you. We're waiting for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. If we didn't have a next service, I'd wait, keep waiting for you, but it's fine. We're going to deal with these ones, these ones who are saying, Jesus, about everything else. Would you guys join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, today I choose you. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross for me. 
and that on the third day you rose again. I believe that you are seated at the right hand of the Father and that you intercede on my behalf. Today, I accept your invitation to come into relationship and to spend eternity in your loving arms. Thank you, Father. May I never be the same again. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. We declare that never the same again. Thank you, Father. Never the same again. Never the same again. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Never the same again. Never the same again. Thank you, Father. Never the same again. Never the same again. Thank you, Lord. Never the same again. Never the same again. Thank you, Jesus. Never the same again. Thank you, Lord, that these seeds of salvation will sow much fruit. Thank you that these people here represent so many others who are going to come into the kingdom because of their testimony. We give you glory for this moment in Jesus' name. Amen.